the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, it looks like we have a beautiful day, and then we're going to get a little colder. <laughs> How surprising in March. Let's think positively, though. So there comes a point in your life when you need to stop reading other people's books and write your own. Albert Einstein. It has long since come to my attention that people of accomplishment rarely sit back and let things happen to them. They went out and happened to things. That was Leonardo da Vinci, by the way. Uh, you were only young once, but immaturity can last a lifetime. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? The time has come for us to civilize ourselves by the total and direct and immediate abolishment of poverty. That's Martin Luther King. As uh, uh, you know, I thought I'd throw him in at the end there. Uh, he has he had a lot of really good stuff. Uh, great quotes uh, along the line. So did Leonardo, by the way. Okay, so, uh, you know, we, we talk about the, our show all the time, um, that if you want to uh, get any of the material that we talk about, uh, you know, for example, the, the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook, we had a, a, a ladies group uh, order the Women and Wealth, the planning workbook. So they ordered 25 of them. So I, I just emailed them to 25 different people last week. So that was really kind of neat. But we have our dividend growth portfolio. Barron's this week says you can live off dividends. Well, I hate to tell you folks, but you've been listening to this show for 15, 20 years now. <laughs> you would have known that. <laughs> it's, not a new, it's not a new concept. All right. So we also have our prime income list. So dividend growth, you put part of your portfolio in there and then you put the prime income list. And the Business Owner's Guide to uh, to Transition, which is really important, our wealth plan. I'm telling you, a wealth plan is a good thing because it's interactive. If you do something on the wealth plan, I know about it. We talk about it later. And then one thing I, I kind of recommend to a lot of people is the Family Inventory Workbook. Look, if you're not organized and your financial stuff's all over the place, this is a way to put it together, okay? Print it. Put it in one spot. And, you know, a lot of things are happening to people these days that we didn't think would happen. All right. So uh, believe me, I have had to go through people's portfolios uh, and, you know, their insurance and their papers with my clients to help them find everything. It ain't easy sometimes. Okay. So you put it all together. There it is. You know, sugary snack food purchases increased 8% in 2020. So people were, were eating more sweets because they felt uh, 
boxed up order. But baking chips and mixes were the best performing category. They were up 24%. So people were baking their way through the, the coronavirus. Automatic enrollment and defined contribution plan has experienced a very large relative growth, increasing 11.5% in 2009 to 31% of the plans in, in 2017. So that's a big, big boost. So good, good uh, applause to all you people who are putting money away. Over the past 20 years, women have been accounting for a larger presence of the 401k committees. In 2000, only 30% of the plan sponsors committees were women. That increased to 50 by 2017, so good for you ladies out there. Uh, okay, let's um, let's start talking about uh, – who should we talk about first? Let's, um, maybe we'll talk let, – let's talk about uh, Lori Calsta, uh, Calvacina. I'll get her name right eventually. She's our strategist, and she has a couple things to say this week. And I think um, the first thing she said is that she's raising the S&P 500 forecast to 177 per Per uh, unit from 168, that's a pretty big jump for 2021, and from 193 to 186 for 2022. And, and the move reflects upgrades to RBC's macro views. Remember, oh, we had a piece by Tom Porcelli, our economist, a couple weeks ago, where I said, he said, you know, the, the upside's breakable, the downside's not so bad. Um, it, it, and so we, we saw a lot of upgrades in late January to our forecast, so which is very good. So, um, And she also discussed the potential headwinds for, uh, you know, peaking revisions and margin outlook, which, you know, might be going away. She also shifted to a neutral stance on U.S. equities relative to non-U.S. equities. Uh, she had a preference for non-U.S. equities, uh, but primarily due to a uh, better COVID. COVID uh, backdrop for the U.S. So uh, now she also still likes value over growth. She's been saying this for six or seven months now, even while she was uh, having a baby. And and highlight that the value trade's ability to retain leadership beyond 2020 is dependent on the ability of the U.S. economy to sustain above trend growth. And with the amount of money they're throwing out there, I think that that would be key. Now, look, we reiterate our long-term preference for small cap over large cap. Now, look, it doesn't have to be small cap technology, okay? Um, one of the things I'm going to talk about today is, is you know, I've seen this move in, in, uh, in healthcare, you know, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. Now, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, we talked about our Imagine 2020 uh, portfolio, and uh, we put out the consumer edition, and in 2020, we saw many of these themes play out to almost extreme levels, uh, a global pandemic that affected the entire world, uh, entire industries suddenly having to pivot to meet sudden increases or decreases in demand, that type of thing, and the largest and most sudden single shift to remote work in history. So, you know, we did have a lot of this stuff in here, like the the move to uh, from medical to me, you know, where we had people talking about, uh, you know, Teladoc and stuff like that, and uh, that was one of our big plays. And uh, you know what it would do, what we thought would happen to the consumer space in the future. So, but we do have a couple giant leaps for mankind in here. So this is something that if somebody wants it, it's got some good stuff in it. Uh, These names have done fairly well over the time. Uh, You know, 
the pulse oximeter, I remember uh, Nelcor, you know, we talked about that way, way long ago. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and some of the other things that came along, uh, you know, it, it's been amazing what's, what's uh, some of the big giant steps we've taken. And this, this gives you some information that I think you'd probably like. Okay. Uh, you know, so we'll, we'll see what happens. And, uh, you know, if you'd like a copy of it, once again, you go to WHK1420. Go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes and the Smart Investor Show. You can get all the, you know, the dividend growth portfolio, prime income list, all that good stuff. All right. So is this, is 2020 the year of the value stock? Uh, you know, for years I've been talking value versus growth, and, and it didn't happen because of some of the Fed policies. But now I think, uh, you know, when we had the plunge that we called the COVID-19 plunge, now the S and P 500 surged 75, percent but what's been going on is is technology's kind of taken a back seat, and the names we thought would happen, you know, a couple of years ago, have now starting to happen. I'm sorry for being early, but sometimes you are. But the financials, the industrials, the consumer discretionary, even healthcare is starting to uh, pop up, uh, and materials in a big, big way. So. Um, what we're seeing is earning momentum could surprise. Earning growth for the value segment is is expected to exceed that of the growth segment by a wide margin this year. All right. So according to the consensus, due to uh, uh, the anticipated snapback in the economy and the cyclical nature of key value categories, we think there's upside to the earnings estimates big time. Okay. So uh, I've I've already started to move some of my stuff there. Now I did see some stuff that I thought was kind of interesting. I'm going to talk about in the second part, but value is so unexpensive compared to their normal relative growth that it's impressive. And remember when I said, you know, I said this for a while now, the PE ratios will start high. And when they get low, that's when, you know, you know, <laughs> you got to get out, but don't undervalue value stocks right now. I think they're going to be big. I think there's going to be uh, a lot of opportunity. Um, and I, I mean, there's two areas that are breaking out right now, and I think are very important. So I'll, I'll just talk about those later. But one more thing we want to talk about: um, the future FDA commissioner, um, you know, who's going to be taking over. Uh, it's Janet Woodcock's nomination to lose, basically, and she's all about drug pricing reform. Uh, and I think there's going to be some battle lines being drawn in the coming months. So, um, you know, biotech has been reversing as we expect it might happen, particularly after the 84% one year run up uh, into early February. But our latest download from our DC consultants indicates a more concerted push for change across the increasingly interconnected regulatory and reimbursement spheres that we sense, uh, you know, more riskily have a detrimental, though we believe still modest and fundamentally manageable impact on the biofarmers or at least increased negative headlines into 2022. So, um, you know, since the Democrats have the house, the Senate and the presidency and the vice president to kill the, kill the extra vote, uh, or make the extra vote, some of these things could be a problem and they have probably been anticipating this for a while. All right. So, um, but Janet Woodcock, you know, it's probably, she's probably going to get it. And uh, her number two will be A.B. Abernathy. Um, and they're all for drug pricing. So I don't know what to do there. It might be a problem. 
Um, you know, a lot of people have been asking me about oil. And if you want to ask a question on the show, it's 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. And look, 2020 was a challenge. There was some <laughs> thematic concerns like environmental, social, governance, and regulatory changes that adversely impacted long-term trends in energy. And energy is, is uninvestable. I don't think it'll ever change. People said that. So small in benchmarks, it won't hurt to be underweight and takes a lot of work off the table. And only companies that may survive are large caps and small caps are dead forever. That's some of the, the stuff that we heard. However, it is really all about oil prices. Uh, ESG, a thematic concern, but not when oil is going higher. We're bullish on oil right at the moment and expect there to be some bumps, but we expect it to stay around the $60-65 uh, a barrel oil area. So we had some weakness, recent weakness stemming from uh, oil dripping on uh, dropping on opening concerns, but the market not concerned over supplies for it's it's all about demand, okay? And some, unfortunately, the, the president's cut off one of our supplies, one of our pipelines, so it'll be interesting to see. So, but you know, the valuations, the stocks are up, you know, like fifty percent year to date, and may have doubled, but are they're not expensive yet? So. There's some sectors that discounts that, that will probably stay there, but I think you want to watch for the quantitative people rotating towards energy financials from tech healthcare, uh, probably the way to the market, maybe. Um, so, you know, look, the first move, move is in the levered small caps. Uh, we've seen some of that happen already. The quants will probably want to uh, move towards some of the large leadership, uh, you know, and I think I don't know if it's going to be the big big guys. It'll be the medium big guys, and it may be early, but small to mid caps that rest, uh, resuscitated right here traded a massive valuation disconnect to the index. So that should be really interesting. Uh, also, you know, uh, some people have asked me about the rising uh, yields, and look, one of the things I've talked about is that we're just now getting back to where we were for May of. 2019 to March of 2020. All right. So uh, it was almost an eight month period where we were, you know, the 10 year treasury was 150 to 2% or 213, I guess it was. Uh, and I think growth and inflation probably will only take yield so far. Uh, there's got to be a need for money. And right at the moment, I don't see that. Uh, higher growth means steeper curves, obviously. And if you look at some of the, the other periods of time uh, when we've come out of a recession, we may be two-thirds of the way to the to the peak, uh, as I see it, so we'll see what happens. If the Fed anchors short-term rates for the next two to three years, then the 10-year could reach like 2.5%, but that would just be where, you know, it was a couple years ago, so uh, what are you going to do? But I think... Um, if you look at the 30-year, uh, th that's one that's really picked up the most. So the, the yield curve isn't steepening. And, you know, I think the long duration could be an attractive hedge uh, within the fixed income sleeve. So if it continues to go up, like I said, you buy yield when it's up, okay? So if if you do get the long-term treasury up to, two, you know, 250, two, I, mean, uh, I mean, 3%, 310, you know, that will be the time where you want to step in, in my humble opinion. Remember, long-term rates have averaged between 3 and 
over the last 150 years. Okay, so just, you know. But look, what happens uh, after rapid rate increase, you know, let's say a three-month thing like we did, you know, goes up a, a bunch, is if we look at earnings yield minus the 10-year bond yield, uh, equities are still cheap, especially value equities. But the stuff that leads after something like this happens, financials, energy, materials, consumer discretionary, and industrials. Technology normally does, but they're pretty overvalued at this point. So I think they may sit for a while. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but it is something that, you know, uh, you, you got to take a look at. Now, one of the things I think Lori talked about was uh, smaller caps. So, you know, that's something to think about. And, uh, um, you know, there, there's a lot of cheap small caps, especially in the value area. Just remember, in the fall, <laughs> uh, what you saw was this. Well, actually, in the last month, let's just take a look at that. We had the S, the, the Russell 2000 go down 5% and then go down 9%. What's interesting about that is the Russell 2000 has a lot of regional banks, and they're hitting new highs for the year. So what happened to all the other stuff? I think some of the small technology stocks got whacked. That's what it comes down to. So it's one of those things where, uh, you know, you've, you've got to pay close attention, I think, uh, to, uh, you know, what you're doing out there. So I think, you know, uh, if, if I were a betting man, you know, my thoughts would be that uh, over the next, you know, two to three months, you'll see some other things occurring Uh which, you know, may or may not be, you know, what we uh, are looking for. <laughs> it's, most people, you know, think that everything's going to kick into gear again. And I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But look, I'm, I'm seeing two basic material companies uh, going crazy. Yet, if I look at key indexes, you know, like the New York Stock Exchange Index, it's testing near-term support. We've already had QQQs and the NDX break it. And we have a lot of the advanced decline lines, you know, like the New York Stock Exchange advanced decline has broken the uptrend line dating back, uh, you know, a couple, couple, you know, three, four months. So those are things we got to look at. And, uh, you know, we're starting to see some of that happen. So, hey, let's take a break. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And if you'd like to, uh, you get a question, it's 216-901-0945. That's 216 901 We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Uh, as I was mentioning right before the, the break there, is we were talking about some of the uh, indexes you know, breaking down a little bit are right at support. And uh, the New York Stock Exchange Index, which is, you know, like five, 6,000 uh, stocks. And, you know, uh, the McQuellen uh, oscillator, their volume oscillator, I should say, Dave McQuellen is a smart guy. You know, if you don't, you know, you should be looking his stuff up. If, if I were you, I'd be doing it. You know, it's pointing down. And uh, it's, it's, you know, normally you want that to be hitting a new high. Okay. So the volume is not there on the upside. The other thing I noticed, and this is something uh, Dave McQuillan watches fairly closely, and that's the Fed funds futures. 
You know, a couple weeks ago, about a week and a half ago, uh, Mr. Biden's press secretary, she she mentioned um, that they're going to tax people under four hundred thousand uh, dollars. So they would tax you if you made one hundred fifty, you know, uh, which nowadays is not making a whole lot of money, by the way, uh, you know, as compared to the people over four hundred thousand. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. They're also going to tax a family. You know, mother, mother, and father at two hundred thousand. So, as soon as she said that, the Fed funds future dropped like a brick, and that was the fact with the volume not occurring. Uh, you know, during uh, the up days, is something you should be paying attention to. So, Nasdaq's leading the way. It's broken down a couple times, and the bullish percent for the Nasdaq is now, I think, it's sixty or fifty-four. I'm sorry. So. You got to be uh, careful about that. There's there's a lot of things going on that I think that uh, uh, you know some of us have to you know pay very close attention to. But I know of two groups, that, and I, I just looked at this now um, that look really really good as far as um, you know where to put some money right now. So um, you know, but tech is a drag, and, and I uh, you know we, we've been been in tech for five, six years, and we talked about the software stuff, but it is now dragging on a relative rotation basis. So you have to pay particular attention to that. Now, the S&P 500 is still going up, but it's going up with other things, okay? Uh, so we we need tech to start, you know, tech is broken out of a, uh, what I call a, a, a sideways uh, par- uh, parallel pattern. And, and that Usually, it's not a good sign. But the other thing is, I'm seeing the XLV starting to bottom a little bit. Uh, I mean, the um, yeah, the XLV, which is healthcare, and I'm also seeing the XLY kind of break down a little bit. So we'll see what happens with some of this stuff. But it's uh, you know, it's it's something that yeah, it is a cause for concern. The other thing I've noticed is the bullish bullishness is is pretty high out there. Uh, is it time to panic? Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, some people think, but you know, I, I look at the VIX, and that is sending one signal. And I look at the uh, the Na- National uh, Association of uh, Investment Managers, and and they're they're pretty bullish. <laughs> and the American Association of Individual Investors are very bullish. So uh, usually, you don't get that kind of uh, bullishness at lows. All right. Now the VIX, uh, in it. Tom Lee from Fundstrat said this, uh, I think, last week. Um, you know, it hit a new low. It broke down. That's good. That's positive. Okay, so uh, remember that when you're when you're out there. Uh, you know, it's it, it's something that you have to be paying very close attention to because when the VIX, you know, as the VIX goes down, the volatility comes back down, and uh, it. It's interesting, you know, but look, leadership is kind of give and take right now in the markets. And I I, I think the market levels are kind of remain trigger points for traders. OK, so uh, the internal leadership rotations uh, remain are, are most important, I think, because rotational corrections occur in bull markets. It's good for the market to take an overbought group, let it sit for a while and then have another group, uh, you know, take off. And that's what you want. Uh, and, you know, I mean, look, 
if you look at the commodities, first it was gold, then it was copper, then it was oil. Okay, now there's a couple others that are going up. Uh, and that's for my clients, not for you guys, but, uh, um, you know, I'm starting to see it. All right. So some of the growth stocks are showing some some evidence of bottoming. Uh, you know, actually, Facebook, I think, broke out last week. I'm not recommending it I, at this point or anything like that. So just, you know, but I think it broke out a little bit or it's making a double top, one of the two. But we're still in that four year cycle that usually remains you know, positive in a bull market. So, you know, you have a sell-off in that four, in the first part of the four-year cycle, and then you have three years of moving up until you have another, you know, uh, you get whacked a little bit, okay? The, one, the other thing, and this, Rob Schleimer follows this pretty closely, and that's the weekly quadrant balance momentum indicator, which sold off, uh, and but is now in kind of a bottoming process. So uh, now the, mo- the, the actual, you know, weekly momentum is still kind of overbought. So I think it might take a while for that to happen. But once again, the, and I'll stress this, the VIX broke down. That means the fear index is making a new low. And we talked about this, that I, I think, you know, look, we've been above 23 for, you know, basically three years, two years. Okay. And now we've broken below it. So you know, the, the question is, that usually, to me, <laughs> indicates that there's further upside to the stock market, okay? So the, the VXN, which is for the volatility for the NDX, which is the NASDAQ 100, uh, is challenging the old highs, or was challenging the old highs, and then it's t- reversed back down. So Maybe it's time for the NDX to get up and go. It's been, you know, basically correcting for nine or ten months. Now, if I look at growth versus value, growth is coming closer to where the its uptrend line was, but it's, it was way above it for a while. So we'll see. But on a daily basis, you know, it's broken down. Okay, uh, so broken its its trend line on the downside. Whether you're looking at large cap, small cap, or mid cap, so that's kind of interesting. The other thing is the high beta index. Is is broken out versus low volatility index, which was very popular, by the way, uh, in the uh, Obama uh, timeframe. So we'll see what happens if it comes back down and uh, whatever. But uh, I've had uh, I got eight questions last week about gold, and it's finally starting to actually the gold miners, I should say, are starting to stabilize uh, near the 2016 breakout which is very important because that means it's holding. Um, but, you know, you need to, it's got a downtrend, so it needs to break through that downtrend to be in better shape. We'll see what happens. But uh, if you look at energy, energy uh, was doing great, and then it, you know, got whacked, and um, and, and then, it, you know, it, it came back big. It's got a lot of resistance, though, right about here. So it's rallying back into heavy resistance, and I, I don't, you know, normally when you have a situation like that, it doesn't happen right away, okay? It takes a little bit of time. So I think oil, you know, you buy it on pullbacks, you know, that type of thing. Wait for it to come to you. You know, don't be chasing it because you'll you'll get wet. Um, and and then, you know, people ask me about the 10-year yield. And uh, like I said, when yields are up, this is when you should be investing. You CD people, you bond people, you should be calling me for CDs and bonds. Okay, you know, 
I think especially if we get a bigger, you know, run up in the in the thirty year treasury, that'd be a great place to go. But remember, uh, these things are very. I mean, the yields are overbought, not the bonds. The bonds are, you know, are ready to rally. I think so. Be careful out there. And let's uh, let's take a break, and uh, we'll be back in a minute or two. This is Smart Investor Show. Bright light said it gonna set my soul, gonna set my soul on fire. Listen to us anywhere, including radio.com. Anyway, so, uh, you know, we talked on the show about uh, the bullish percent. We're going to delve into this because it's been kind of wild lately. But once again, if you have a question, the number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. So over the last several weeks, the market has pulled back with leaders like small caps taking the brunt of the hit. And, and with the volatility, we have seen the indicators change status several times. And you're looking at uh, a universe with a large number of small caps. The, the bullish percent reversed down the other day, on Thursday, and currently is is at a fairly elevated level of 66. So uh, now, what, what's interesting is the recent reversal has also created a series of lower highs and lower lows, which is typically not a strong sign. However, the indicator still sits in a relatively high field position. Uh, showing signs of some healthy breadth, okay? You know, there's good things. So the NDX has seen its share of volatility recently. Uh, earlier in the month, the bullish percent reached its lowest level since the sell-off, got the 24. And also, if you looked at some of the longer-term indicators, like the positive trend, it remains in elevated territories. Uh, but it's in a column of O's. So, you know, column of O's, you know, just so you know, we'll go back to, we explain the, real, the uh, bullish percent every week, Chart to go from zero to 100, and it was uh, one of Charles Dow's protégés who, who wanted to be bullish at the bottom. So 30, below 30 on this chart is important. That's where, you know, that's the green zone. That's where when everybody's crying in their beer, you should be getting greedy. The red zone's over 70, uh, which is where we were last week, if you may recall. And so we dropped 10 points almost this week, which is a lot. And then when we're in a column of X's, we have the offensive team on the field. We have a column of O's. We want to be more defensive. Now, it doesn't mean you have to go out and sell your entire portfolio. However, there are times, like back in 2008 when we said on this show, that the money market would outperform the stock market for the year. And we said domestic equities were the lowest form of life, okay? They're not now. They're number one. They're number one right now. So uh, it's something to, to pay very close attention to, so, but... The bullish percent did turn down, but we do have Mike uh, from Reminderville. Mike, how are you? Hey, how's it going, Tim? Beautiful day out here today. Yeah, I wish I was out there. <laughs> yeah, you will be shortly. Hey, so listen, yep. quick question. How much credence should I put into price targets, and do you actually, you know, look at those and believe in them or, or not? Well, uh, point and figure charting, you know, you can do a vertical uh, price target or a horizontal price target. And so they work a lot. Okay. Now, the other thing you can do is like with a head and shoulders reversal or, you know, something that's in a, like a parallel move, 
Uh, the length of the move and the size of the move can generate a price target. And a lot of more. I guess, I, I guess what I mean is if, you know, Morgan Stanley comes out with a price target, and Wedbush comes out with a price target. <laughs> you know, these, that's a different story. Do, do you understand yeah, how an analyst gets paid? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. What was that? Do you understand how an analyst gets paid? Uh, no. Okay. Who's going to get the price target? So they're they're going to fudge on the price targets. Yeah, the, he's got to make his price target. So, so uh, like Mark Mahaney talked about stitch pitch when it was twenty four, and he had his mm-hmm. price target was thirty seven. Okay, so it went to one hundred thirteen. He got his bonus. <laughs> all right, so mm-hmm. they're gonna they're, they'll usually be on the downside. All right, um, uh, Louisiana Pacific was one we recommended a while back, and. Uh, He's made both of his price targets, so he he gets a little kicker in his paycheck for those. All right, uh, so that's how it works. All right, so okay. yep, uh, price targets they probably keep them low, Mike, so they can get paid. <laughs> that's my humble uh, opinion. Okay. All right. Thanks. Man. All right, sir. Have a great day. See you. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. So uh, the bullish percent was down eight and a half percent this week. So we broke through seventy. Usually. When you're making a series of lower highs above 70, that's usually not good. So 8.5% was, uh, you know, they kicked, uh, you know, some you-know-what uh, this week. And we're at 65. I think we're a little bit above that. Uh, after, I didn't see Friday's close. My apologies. Uh, the over-the-counter index was down 3.5%, and it's still in the column of X's. Okay, so that's kind of interesting. Um It'll it'll break down at 52, so we're getting close. But uh, we are in a column of O's on the New York Stock Exchange, and the World Index uh, got got beat up by three percent this week. So we're also starting to see some of uh, like the positive trend indicators hovering right above midfield territory. Usually, when they break below 50, uh, you're going we're we're looking for you know a problem coming down the line. All right, uh, so I think you know you have to. Uh, uh, well, it, it, it's 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 hard, but it's you know you you have to really look at what you're buying when you're buying it. You have to make sure the chart looks good at this point. That's supply is better than demand. Uh, I mean, demand is better than supply. I'm sorry, but as I see it right now, if I look at the sub assets, small cap growth, value, and blend are the three top picks. Now, a lot of the value stuff is small cap banks. All right. Regional banks, and they're doing really well. All right, the financials are doing really well. I bought some uh, a while back, and they're really doing well. And w- what we're seeing is the large, the large cap growth has really fallen down. So, energy still the top group. Consumer sickles next. Financials are next. Technology, then industrials and basic materials. Although there's, there's two sets of basic materials that look like they're going to be leadership awfully in an awful hurry. Okay, so energy. Consumer discretionary and financials have taken over technology's first place. So if you're doing it by relative strength or momentum, technology suffering at this point. So, you know, I looked at most of the indexes, and a lot of the uh, foreign markets have been negative for between six and fourteen weeks. Uh, you know, the 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 large cap foreign stocks have been negative for fourteen weeks. So, I haven't seen much progress there. And then the QQQs have been negative for five weeks, and, and same with the XLGs and the and the S and P five hundred capitalization weighted. 
portfolio. So the larger stocks have been beat up a little bit too. So it, it's like, you know, if you're looking at uh, small caps, uh, they took the hardest hit. They were down about uh, 6% for the week, <laughs> which is, a, you know, that hurts. Uh, and, but, and the problem is, is they went up so quickly that their support are much lower than uh, where we are now, 10, 12 bucks below where we are right now. So uh, that's something you have to take into account if, if you're doing the indexes, okay? So if they go down to support, you'll, you'll probably be a little bit in trouble. Now, we only have 20 groups that are now favored, okay? And they're still mostly to the, you know, the right of the graph. You want them to the left. But these are in order of being the most overbought. Insurance, banks, and savings and loans are at 84. They were just at 90. Uh, aerospace, building material, and transportation are at 76. That's still pretty high. Steel, chemicals, gas utilities, forced paper products, and restaurants are at 70. I'd still be waiting on those. Oil services, business, financials, and textiles are at 64. Uh, still you could look at a few of those, but I'd be waiting. Leisure, oil, and machinery are at 60. Now you can start to pay attention. Non-ferrous metals are at 54. That's a good place to go. And semiconductors, which were at 24 last week, are already back up to 44. So they've become very overbought. We have nothing below 30. So, you know, we need uh, a shift back to the left before Tim gets really uh, <laughs> excited about things, if you know what I mean. Uh, I, I like to buy when things are down. Uh, my humble opinion. Now, internationally, um, crude prices advanced 5% because there's a, as you all know, there's a big cargo ship stuck in the Suez Canal. And uh, that's probably where a third of all the oil in the world goes. So uh, maybe even half. So it'll be interesting to see if they get through there. I did see some things. Uh, I looked at some ETFs. And, and by the way, Dorsey Wright likes these too. Uh, who, by the way, Dorsey Wright provides us with a bullish percent. They're, they're great folks to work with. Uh, Norway, uh, there was two or three ETFs there that I liked, uh, and that was about it. But I looked at fixed income and convertible bonds, which have got beat up, you know, is something you got to think about. Also, floating rate securities, when interest rates rise, floating rate securities, their price stays steady and their income rises. When, when you have a fixed rate bond, the income's steady, but the price falls. So your capital's at risk. When interest rates falls, it's the other way around. Okay. So if interest rates continue to rise, floating rate securities might be the way to go. Uh, you know, we talked about that, you know, a couple of our best, best ideas in our, in our preferred uh, that we, we sent out to a bunch of people a couple of weeks ago, uh, about a month ago, two ago, were, were floating rate preferred, which is something to pay attention to. You know, I was looking at commodities and, and oil has been negative for a couple of weeks. But gold's been negative for 10 weeks now. That's a long time. I wonder if that's going to change. I, I did notice a lot of gold stocks uh, showing up on my charts today. So we'll see what happens there. And, um, and then, you know, a couple other things. Uh, crude oil, uh, we'll see. You know, but I was looking at some of the commodities, and there's some still look really, really good on the charts. But, uh, you know, you want to be a little bit more careful with those, I guess. At this point, now the one thing we, we always talk about is relative strength. It's a measure of how a stock is performing when compared to something else. And the way we look at it is the S and P equal weighted index. So we're we're giving it a fair share against everything. So buy signals are important. So these are some names that you want to uh, take a look at: CBD, which is uh, a Brazilian stock, a little five dollar thing; Cytonetics, uh, which is biotechnology; Hartford Group, 
uh, RF Industries, which is Communications Technology, News Corp, uh, Sierra Oncology, Navient, uh, and then Amneo Pharmaceuticals. Uh, so a lot of these are small, small cap, uh, small stocks. Uh, as far as stocks moving to a sell signal, Erie Indemnity, Helen of Troy, Intervac, the Nautilus Group, Odessa Marine uh, Exploration, Plug Power, which is one of the hottest stocks on the planet for a while there. Veraca Therapeutics, GoGo, uh, which was one that was showing up on my charts a lot, and then it just died. And then Iger Biofarm and uh, Clearway Energy. So um, we also have Biohaven, Baritone, Sparrow Therapeutics, Anaplan, uh, Echo Labs. Uh, so a lot of stocks, you know, hitting the, the sell signal. So those are things you've got to be careful with. Hey, we're going to take a break here. Uh, this is Smart Investor Show. Once again, if you have a question, 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. We'll be right back with Insider Buy. All right. We've got the good guitarist today. Mark Knopfler there. <laughs> Anyway, we, uh, we always leave. Uh, what we're trying to do is we start out with Lori Calcavina. Calvacina. <laughs> I'll get that name right eventually. Uh, you might watch uh, CNBC occasionally because uh, Lori's on there pretty regularly. And, uh, you know, she's been pretty right uh, of where institutions are putting their money. So I, that's important. But um, we start out with her strategy or we start out with economics. And then we worked down, you know, we talked about higher yields. Then we talked about different industries that are, are starting to look good and look bad. <laughs> All right. So we're trying to get things down. Now, we just talked about relative strength buy signals and sell signals. And those things you should pay pretty close attention to. Now we're going to talk about insiders. And when insiders buy, we want to find guys who are buying big. Okay. Those are the guys we, you know, that's what you want to own. It's, uh, you know, if they buy once or twice, that's okay. But, you know, they may be right, by the way. I'm looking for the big guys, you know, where they're putting their money where their mouth is. And why do we like insiders? Well, they know more than we do. <laughs> it's that simple. They're sitting in on the board meetings. They're hearing everything as it happens. Uh, and they're buying usually ahead of time. Now, we've had a couple in the last couple of weeks where, you know, they, they bought right on time, okay? Uh, so uh, that happens too. But all right, we started out with a local company, Babcock and Wilcox. Uh, at a new high, we had uh, Riley Financial buy $64.75 million worth of stock. Now, I, already, I bought some of this in my own account, okay? I didn't buy it from my clients. I, I'm around a dollar. Uh, and this was strictly, you know, I, I don't buy all these stocks because some of them can go out of business. But this was strictly on a friend of mine who uh, I play golf with, and, and uh, he, he didn't think they were going out of business. Uh, I, you know, by the way, I bought Salem Radio in the same same stint too. By the way, so you know, Salem was down at a buck; it's now three and a half. Uh, and then we had Penny Mac Financial. Uh, the, remember, they were buying last week, and we had a couple more guys buy uh, this time twenty six and a half million, and another twenty six and a half million, and they're very bright men that are involved here. Very bright men, and Fortress Transportation. Uh, 
is, you know, uh, Martin Tuckman, if you, if you don't know who he is, he's a very bright guy. He bought $20,000 or $20 million worth of the stock. Uh, and it's in the rental leasing business. I notice a lot of these type of stocks going up. And then MFN Partners, I, I forgot about them, uh, also bought some of the uh, Penny Mac Financial. So they're, they're starting to like financials again. So another $16 million. So that's almost uh, $70, 80000000 million worth of uh, stocks sold there. Now, here are two very smart people, okay? Uh, solid biosciences just got killed. It was 12 bucks, and now it's like 5 80 or something like that, 530. And Perceptive Advisor steps up and buys $15 million worth of it. And RA Capital buys $13 million worth of it. Uh, that's very interesting because that is smart money when it comes to biotechs. Just uh, trust me on that. Also, designer brands. Uh, Jay Schottenstein is an executive chairman here, and he bought $9.9 million, And believe me, Mr. Schottenstein knows retail. Okay, he knows retail. And then we had a couple biotechs in still bio. Uh, Bronson Crouch, uh, he's the CEO and chairman, bought $9 million worth. And then the director, Kent McGahee, uh, bought $9 million worth. By the way, there was some other buys of, uh, I forgot, uh, Penny Mac Financial, one, two, three, uh, and, and they bought another, I, I think it's like $100 million total. So something going on there. Uh, Joe Schottenstein bought a designer. Uh, he's Jay's brother, and he's also executive chairman. And then uh, also, well, I think Jay bought uh, two days earlier, he bought uh, $3 million worth. So there we go. Also, uh, we have Finch Therapeutics. We have Dominic Ferrente, who's a director and a very smart guy, bought $1.7 million. So you like seeing that too. And then uh, Cortexine which uh, got beat up a couple months ago uh, from, you know, the fifties and it's down the thirties. Now uh, a director bought 1.6 million. Um, so, you know, you, you like seeing that too. I, I forgot. Uh, sorry. I got these things. I can't read my own handwriting. My apologies, everybody. Finch therapeutics. We did have another buyer, uh, Jeff Simsek, who bought $1.5 million worth. Now, a couple other things that I noticed uh, BlackRock science and technology trust. Tony Kim, who's the portfolio manager, bought a million dollars worth. You like seeing that. Now, we talked about these guys, uh, Net One UEPS Technologies, a while back, and there was several insider buys. And we had a director buy 600000 We had another director buy uh, 700000 uh, And we had a couple other directors buy 200000 uh, One director I know, pers- I, I'm, I don't know him personally, I know of his reputation, Anthony Ball. He's a pretty bright guy. Uh, he he bought quite a bit. So uh, this is the second round of their buying. That's kind of important, I think. Uh, also, uh, apartment investment and management company, we had three guys, uh, all that are, uh, well, we'll just call them Terry, Terry Considine. They, they're all involved with him, his trust, et cetera. They all bought uh, $600,000 three times, which is good. And then we have uh, Olo, which is a new software. Uh, company that came public we had um the, the a director by four five hundred thousand then another director by three hundred thousand then another director by three hundred thousand then another director by three hundred thousand uh and then um we had a couple more by 150 150 so you know some serious uh buying out there in in the uh open market uh also um there was one other i wanted to 
Oh, so people have asked me about this company uh, because they're doing studies at the Cleveland Clinic, I guess it is. And it's A-X-N-X-I. And I noticed that, that uh, um, they, an ex, it's an extra bioscientist, by the way. Uh, I noticed they, we had a couple of insider buyers. So for those people uh, who were interested in those, there we go. All right. So uh, let's go back and let's talk a little bit about some of the industries that, you know, we're seeing. Well, let's, let's go back to crude oil. Uh, like I said, we're right at, uh, we're holding the key support right now, but we're right up against some uh, big resistance, okay? And what I have found in my travels uh, is that I rarely see something break through that big a resistance the first time. Normally, it's going to, you know, bounce around a little bit before that happens. But uh, I do think it will maybe eventually um, because cutting down supply here you know they killed a pipeline and that's not good now copper we did notice the price of copper you know we talked about it uh, at two dollars and five cents you may recall and it went up to 410 that's a heck of a return uh now we we bought copper stocks uh, we didn't buy copper directly but i did notice the price came down uh pretty quickly about four or five cents in, in a day uh so it might be in in, in turn correcting uh, for all of you out there. So if, if I were to sum up what's going on here, we have the bullish percent in a column of O's, all right? That is something you got to pay attention to. We're making lower highs and lower lows. That means supply is coming in at a lower level each time. And the days with there's up volume, or we're up, the volume is light. And the days when we're down, the volume's heavier. Now, it's kind of whacking the leadership group, and that is the small caps. And my humble opinion that if you look going forward, look, what has our friends at, at, in, in the White House done? Okay, number one, they killed a pipeline, sent oil flying. Number two, they just took on a lot of debt. And when a government takes on a lot of debt, usually it, it's a, something that can slow an economy. Now, there is plenty of money out there, okay? So that's the good news. But the third thing is now they're talking about taxes. And some people say that they're going to do it retroactive to the, to the beginning of the year. That would be a big negative, I would think, because, look, they're talking about a 28% corporate tax. Remember, in the Obama administration, companies were starting to change where they were domiciled, away from the United States. Walgreens did it. Pfizer was just about to do it. Okay. So we got to, you know, that could be another problem because that would put us as the highest tax rate in the world. Uh, thirdly, like I said, they brought it from 400,000 down to 150,000, which affects a lot more people. Uh, remember, above 400,000 is the top 2% of wage earners. From 100 to 400, you're in the top 10% of wage earners. Okay. So that's a that's a bigger group, and it starts to affect things. So it'll slow down. They're also talking about your tax uh, level for your capital gains would be your regular income. So that would go from eighteen or fifteen percent plus the Obamacare tax of three and a half to thirty five, thirty six. I don't think a lot of people are going to sell stocks. I don't want to think people are going to a lot of buy stocks or apartments or anything else. So. 
sometimes the policies that people uh, start to form in the White House can affect the market. So maybe the market's saying to itself, hey, we're going to have a slowdown. Who knows? I don't know. That's the that's me talking out loud. That Tim Hayes is not RBC. Okay, so uh, leaving it up. Now, I, I am starting to see uh, stuff like, you know, consumer durables. Uh, you know, are an established uptrend. Uh, the media and entertainment group went crazy, and then they killed them. Uh, you know, I, I sold half of my Viacom, and uh, it, it was down fifty bucks in three days. I'm still up ninety percent on the rest of it. So it's not a bad deal, but it, uh, you know, it could have been a lot better and, uh, and uh, take it from there. So remember this, what I do right now is I'd be looking at dividend growth. Even Barron says that you can retire off dividends, dividend growth and the prime income list. Uh, so go to WHK 1420 AM, go to local podcast down to the smart investor show and Tim Hayes. Check out that. Also, we have the savvy investors credit workbook. We have, uh, the Women's uh, and Wealth, a planning guide for women. Uh, also, our you know our prime income list is fantastic, but we have our top idea list, multi-cap, small cap, and large cap, uh, and we'll leave it at that. In the meantime, it's a beautiful day. Get out there. You know, we've been stuck in all winter. This is Smart Investor Show. My name's Tim Hayes. Remember, buy low and sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.